Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man whose name is synonymous with barbecue, not just in the US, but around the world. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. Today is super cool. We've got Mark Lambert from Sweet Swine of Mine, Operation Barbecue Relief, NBBQA and so much more. Pretty much anything in the barbecue industry, this guy's involved. So this is going to be a cracker of an episode. Now before we get into that, I do have a couple of announcements that I need to run by you. The first is that I'd like to welcome our podcast partner, Jagged Woodfired, for this episode. If you're in the market for a new smoker, a new cabinet smoker, some custom work, an asado grill, make sure you check them out, jaggedwoodfired.com.au. Jules and Glenn are fantastic people, and they're close friends of the family here as well. So it's great to have them to be a part of the Smoking Hot Confessions family. Now, if you're just at the beginning of your barbecue journey, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. We have a beautiful ebook available for you. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. And in that, you'll find everything you need to go from zero to hero in the world of low and slow barbecue. You're going to have no more burnt sausages, no more burnt steaks, no more crunchy black onions. You're going to have just some delicious low and slow smoked meat. And you're going to become the king of the grill. So make sure you head on over, check that out. It's completely free. And it was awarded um, at the NBBQA Awards last year for educational rights. So we've got that for you. It's all free, smokinghotconfessions.com. Now this afternoon, I would like to give a big welcome to everyone who's joining us for the live podcast recording. We do that in our group over on Facebook, the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community. It's free to join. Everybody's welcome. We leave all the guff at the door. It's one of the friendliest little corners of the internet. We all just hang out, talk about barbecue, and of course, we record these live podcasts. And so what you can do there is you can be a part of the show. So if you head to that live video or this live video that you're watching right now, if you punch a comment into the comments or put a question in there, I'll be able to put that to Mark later in the show. So make sure you do that and you can be a part of the show as well. If you're catching this later on on YouTube, do make sure you give us a thumbs up or subscribe and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching it on Facebook, Facebook's all about the likes, the comments and the shares. Over on IGTV, it's the cute little love hearts. They're so cute. And give us a comment and make sure you're following us as well. And if you are catching this on a podcasting app, particularly if it's Apple Podcasts, please take a couple of seconds and and give us a five-star rating and review. They really help to drive us up the charts. And in the last 30 days, we have been as high as number six on the American podcast charts for food and as high as number three in Australia for food. So that's an outstanding uh, ranking for a little podcast from the Gold Coast. And that's all because of the ratings and reviews that you're doing there for us. And we do appreciate that very much. Okay, so back to today's episode. As I said at the top, it's Mark Lambert, one of the most legendary barbecue legends to ever become legendary. Just channeling my my inner Kung Fu Panda there. So uh, he's a six-time World Barbecue and four-time Memphis in May champion and is widely considered to be one of the best Memphis-style barbecue pitmasters around. He's also a past president of the NBBQA and is a, a core member of the Operation Barbecue Relief Outfit. Now, we have um, spoken with... Uh, with Mark briefly in the past about three years ago in 2018 when I went over there and I met him at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships when he was there with OBR and he actually just welcomed my family into the OBR tent, cooked dinner for us, sat down and spent the evening with us. So it was amazing to uh, to catch up with such an amazing uh, personality like this again. But uh, I, I think that's all the gushing I need to do about Mark. Let's get him in here. 
This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? G'day, Mark. Welcome to the confessional, my friend. It is great to see you again. Heck yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime, mate. This is a real treat for us. So there's a standard question that I ask at, at the start of every episode, and I know that you do so much cooking, so I'm going to change this a little bit. I'm going to say, what was the last thing that you barbecued for yourself? I would say the last thing I barbecued for myself was a, a brisket on Saturday. Uh, we had some friends over uh, hanging out in the backyard around the pool, and I had done a, a Zoom barbecue class on Wednesday. And so I had to cook a brisket on Wednesday, and I had to trim one on camera. So uh, I trimmed and seasoned one on Wednesday, and had that left over, and just saved it, and threw it on the pit barrel on the on the back porch while we were hanging out, and uh, cooked that for everyone. We had some brisket tacos. Oh wow, brisket tacos sound amazing. So is that is that uh, pit barrel cooker? Is that one of your favorite cookers? It you know it's kind of my not necessarily my favorite cooker but it's becoming quickly one of my favorite styles of cooker, which is just a, a barrel with, you know, somewhat direct heat with a, a, a much larger gap between the fire and the, the cooking surface. Um, you know, it has the ability to, to be able to hang meats uh, over the fire. So it's just more of a traditional old school pit barbecue flavor by having a certain amount of direct heat and some of that, uh, the juices and the fats are able to drip into the coals and create, another level of flavor so it's it's old school flavor uh, high intensity flavor yeah that sounds incredible the uh, the, the drum st- uh, smokers are certainly making their mark on the industry at the moment it seems to me that uh, well actually I, it's not it seems to be i went to a barbecue competition outside sydney there a couple of months ago and uh there was one particular drum manufacturer there drew BQ, here in australia and uh, he got everybody to line up their Drubicue drums and dead set there were 18 drums out of, I think it was 19 teams. 19 teams between them had 18 of his, of, of his drums. And so then there were Gateway drums there on top of that and some other brands as well. It's just, it's incredible to see the swing in the industry from offsets into drums. Yeah, that's, I, I tell a lot of people, I said there's, uh, a, 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 I call it a flavor spectrum in the barbecue world and on the low end of the spectrum would be like your pellet cookers, which pellet cookers are great because they're easy and consistent, but the, on the flavor spectrum, they're really they're on the low end in my book. And then you've got some some of your vertical smokers, insulated pits, cabinets uh, next up the rung, and then uh, you know kind of more of your level of like your offset pits that are traditional stick burning pits. But uh, you know the relationship of the fire to the food, I think, makes a huge difference in the amount of flavor you get both from a I don't know, from partly from the orientation of the meat to the fire, having the juices and fats drip in the fire, but also uh, much more relationship in the way of browning the meat. You get a little bit more of that uh, the caramelization of the meats by having some of that direct heat. Interesting. So that, that mahogany color gets a bit deeper. Yeah, it's not just the rub. You know, we, we've cooked a lot of test, test cooks on uh, different types of drums. Uh, with nothing but salt and pepper, and you, we can pull these ribs out that are cherry red. Uh, and just for some reason, uh, I don't know all of them, the science behind it, but we pulled ribs out of a drum with salt and pepper, and they're pretty red, just like they had a gorgeous uh, barbecue rub on them. And then, uh, but they just have a traditional pit barbecue salt and pepper flavor. And then once they're tender at the end, we 
throw a little bit of a, you know, some like a flavored vinegar on there and maybe a sweet rub. And those are some of the best ribs that if that would cook for myself. That's the way I like them. Oh man, it's about lunchtime here as we're recording this and you're making me hungry. <laughs> so I mean, give us a bit of a rundown of, of what you're, of what you're doing across the industry at the moment. Cause you're, you're, you're everywhere at the moment. Every time I, I, I open my socials, I see that you're here doing this, you're there doing that. Give us a bit of a rundown of all the different things that you're up to lately. Um, Right now, um, business-wise, directly, I, we just finished launching a, a new product, which is a craft Worcestershire sauce uh, called Wilsonshire that came from a good buddy of mine, Joe Wilson. Um, he developed this this signature Worcestershire sauce, and um, everyone always was, every time we saw Joe, we were asking for a bottle of it. And one day, uh, he didn't have any, and we were kind of heartbroken. We had our hearts set on it. We use it, and he's like, well, that stuff's expensive to make, and it takes time. And he says, well, uh, maybe you should do it. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, why don't you make it? I go, well, it's your sauce. He goes, I'm never going to do anything with it. He said, why don't you do it? He said, the world needs to experience, experience Wilsonshire. He said, and you're the guy who needs to take it there. And so he gave me the recipe. We took it to my packer. We back and forth, and we developed it. And we came out with this wonderful Worcestershire sauce that's much more intense uh, it's a little bit sweeter and much spicier than traditional Worcestershire sauce. So that's kind of our latest um, uh, impact on the products market. We're right now working on a flavor enhancer, a non-flavor profile flavor enhancer that's for all meats and vegetables. And uh, that's just that. It's just a flavor enhancing rub. It doesn't have a particular profile at all. So that's the next thing I think that's on the books. Um of course, we, uh, we're watching hurricanes right now coming through the Caribbean, uh, wondering if we're going to have to deploy with Operation Barbecue Relief. And, you know, we spend some time uh, um, getting some, of the, some, some things together and some, doing some equipment maintenance and making sure that we're ready uh, for hurricane season um, on that front. And then we have been uh, active with Steaks for Sheepdogs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but uh, oh. the same guy, Joe Wilson, he started a Stakes for Sheepdogs Foundation, where we they honor uh, fallen policemen and firemen. Um, not a, and they honor the the guy like a precinct that has lost a a brother or a, a wife or a husband. So uh, after their initial morning time, we'll go in there and we'll do a, a steak dinner and celebrate the life of one of their brothers and and uh, show them a little bit of love that they don't always get from uh, from the rest of the community. So we go in. And, and make them feel appreciated and cook them steak dinners and um, and kind of try to bring them back together with a little bit of healing steak dinner. So we've been active with them uh, and doing some fundraising and, and actually out doing some Steaks for Sheepdogs cooks. Uh, so I've been real happy doing that. Um, and then we're, we've been putting together um, now the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. We're um, sort of self-operating. We, uh, we don't have an executive director. So the board is sort of governing, governing and running operations ourselves, um, and uh, because of all the craziness uh, that's just sort of starting to slow down, we still had to cancel our um, our annual conference this year. So we're putting together a really cool event at my place in November, and we're going to host a, um, a state cook off association sanctioned state cook. It's a triple. Uh, with a couple of different ancillaries, but one of them being a whole hog ancillary. Oh, wow. So, 
that'll be uh, uh, big for the National Barbecue Grilling Association, <coughs> both from uh, social media, from getting people back together, which is the core of what MBBQA is, is bringing people together and, and creating opportunities for synergies for people to help one another. Uh, we hosted the National Barbecue Grilling Association's Awards of Excellence, which, um, you know, gives out industry awards to people uh, for social media, for photography, photography cookbooks, barbecue rubs and sauces, uh, accessories, all of those things. And so we, we bring together certified judges and enthusiasts, and we, uh, we judge all of those different things. We have to use the products. We have to evaluate them. We have to cook meats and sample the seasonings and the sauces and use the accessories to cook the meats that were submitted watch the videos, watch the podcasts, look at the cookbooks, and evaluate all those to, to help uh, you know, bring awards to those everyone that spends so much time you know, taking these things to market to the industry. So that was, that was a lot of fun. We do that every year in February at my place. Yeah, right. The uh, that that whole hog thing sounds sounds fascinating. I've 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 seen you doing a lot of stuff with that. You did a um, uh, the the last um sort of webinar that I saw through NBBQA was was you actually doing a whole hog webinar demo, and then you just mentioned earlier that you're doing uh, Zoom barbecue classes. Are those two things tied in together? Um, not really. Um, we're we're finding that a lot of um, especially people in the the pharmaceutical and computer industries that are so used to going out and salespeople are so used to being able to call them on these guys and they're in their place of business. And, and so much of that is slowed down um, that the, the salesmen aren't as welcome in these, in these facilities. And uh, they're just, they're scared to, to, to really go out and have business as usual. So rather than going out and face-to-face calls, a lot of the, we're working with some different, companies and rep groups to put together entertainment, uh, online entertainment for them. And one of the things that really grew during, um, you know, all the the crazy mess we're just coming out of is people staying at home and cooking more. So you're finding that more and more people are staying at home, cooking for themselves, entertaining themselves. And you're, we're finding out that, um, they're finding out that it's not as easy as it looks on TV, right? So uh, people are more involved in learning uh, both on social media and YouTube about cooking and barbecue and live fire cooking. So we're working with a few of these groups to put together these Zoom classes, and they're put together groups of um, target customers that uh, they they market to and, and give them the opportunity to come together in a Zoom meeting and learn how to cook ribs or how to cook a brisket or how to cook. Uh, a, a competition steak. Uh, we send them a recipe card and we send them a gift bag or gift box that has three or four of the items that we use in the recipe. Um, and we record it for them and send them a link so that they can go back and reference it. But we're getting a lot of really good feedback uh, for the guys that are watching this, the guys and gals there. They get one-on-one coaching of how to trim a brisket and how to cook a brisket and how to slice it. Uh, and then we're sending them the things to do it with and teaching them how to how to pick it out, how to trim it, different ways of cooking it, not just on a, a, a drum or a pellet cooker or on a, you know, tell them the different ways they can do it in their oven or they can do it on a gas grill, you know. Um, so just a little entertainment factor, an opportunity to 
get their brands out in front of these customers by having their logos flashing in the screen, uh, by having their logos in the swag that we send or on the gift box that we send out uh, and having the opportunity for these companies to talk uh, before and after the Zoom meeting. So it's just another another innovative innovative way that some of these rep groups and, and salesmen are coming up with to reach their customers and create a memorable experience uh, for them to buy from them, essentially. Yeah, that's a fascinating idea. You've got to sort of move all that into the virtual space there, don't you? It sounds like you've really tied that together very nicely. It, you know, it really wasn't my idea. It was a friend of mine's idea. Um, uh, my friend Nakia White, he uh, worked with his, his, his buddy John Little that's kind of in that industry, and they're both in the computer industry. And they kind of worked on this idea together, and they brought it to me, and I'm like, I don't get it. And they're like, <laughs> what, what, do it. It, it'll really work. It'll be great. Look. And I'm like, I, don't, I hear you out, and, and we're going to try it, but I don't get it. And after we did it a couple of times, I finally kind of understand it and see how it works, you know. Yeah, it, it'd be really cool to be able to um, sort of embed that live feed on a page on a website and then have all the links on the website to the products used in the in the live video. Yeah. That's a top idea, top idea. It's cool stuff. It's uh, Like I said, people are finding new and inventive ways to, to reach their customers, to reach their audience, to, um, you know, to, and new ways to learn. Uh, new ways to teach. It's things are evolving. You got to you got to got to figure out how to evolve with it. Well, yeah, you've either got to keep up or get left behind, don't you? Yeah, that's what I said. I'm going to try. We're going to do it. <laughs> so, with all these different things that you do, you're still competing on top of that as well. So, give us a bit of an idea of um, how, how you've been uh, going with the competitions recently. Did you did you go to Memphis in May this year? We did. We went to Memphis in May and. Uh, without the results that we had liked, it was probably the most enjoyable Memphis and May we had, not only from a crowd standpoint, because it was much smaller crowd, uh, the crowds were reduced and they limited uh, entry into the park um, by, via the tickets, but uh, the weather was the best weather we've ever had in any Memphis and May I can ever remember in my entire life. And we, I think we were 18th place in the shoulder division, um, but we got second place in sauce, which is the, the silver lining, I guess, at Memphis and May. So it was a, it was a, it was a great time. Um, you know, we like to stay in the top 10 in the port division, but this year we were out of it. We really had, didn't understand exactly why, but we had really low flavor scores in the blind judging. So there's an on-site judging presentation, and then there is a, a, a box you turn in that is a blind turn-in, and the, fla- the flavor scores in the blind turn-in were really low. Uh, you know, wow. across the board, there was something off. I mean, it wasn't just like somebody thought something was off. Most of the judges thought something was off, whether it be too salty, not salty enough, too sweet, not sweet enough. I don't know. Um, everything else really had good marks except for flavor, and that is the highest weighted score. So naturally, mm. that knocks you down pretty pretty heavily. All of our on-site scores and everything else were, were tens, you know? Yeah, right. So... Do you get uh, like comment cards and things like that at Memphis and May to give you a bit of an idea or is it um, – because here, here in Australia, if your score is low enough, if there's like, there's like a threshold, then the judges mm-hmm. have to write you a comment card. It, does that sort of thing happen at, at Memphis in May? I don't remember getting them at Memphis in May, but we do get them at other competitions where the, uh, the closest thing to Memphis in May here we have is the Memphis Barbecue Network. And I think if you get a really low score there or even here, 
um, if you give a low score in KCBS, they they expect you to the judges to write a comment card. So now I've, I would have loved to have seen a comment card on that. We just didn't get it. <laughs> but uh, outside of that, before that, there was a we didn't do much uh, competition before that. Things were just really starting to kick back up a little bit. Um, we've done a few state cookoffs. Uh, I think I've done four state cookoffs this year, and luckily I've been, uh, I guess, in the top six. Uh, all four of those, um, you know, with with a an old standby recipe that I've, I've been using. I've experimented with some different compound butters, uh, and, and last year really zoned in on one, and it's been doing well. Um, I've done one KCBS, and but I guess one KCBS in two years, and just right out of the gate, we had like fifty eight teams, and and come out with a reserve grand and a. 706 overall score. Wow, that's awesome. On a brand new pit. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so you'd, you'd never cooked on it before. You didn't know how it was going to run and all that sort of stuff? We had run a, a test cook with um, with Eric and Alan from Boards Not Out. They did a, a graduation dinner for Eric's son. And so we, we brought it over there to fire up just to get an idea of how, how the meat was going to react. We'd run a few fires in it. Uh, it's a traditional 250 gallon direct flow offset. And, you know, you, while you figure out how to tune it to get a clean fire, we didn't know how the meat was going to react in different stages and the different, and whether on the firebox side or near the stack or front or back or on the microwave shelf, we just didn't know how the meat was going to react. But, um, after that weekend and cooking for the graduation party, we kind of figured it out and went over to Wynn, Arkansas and, and, uh, had a, had a great cook. Yeah, very nice. It sounds like quite a different pit to the Jambo trailers that I saw you cooking on when I met you in Texas. There, it's a it's very similar to the to the Jambo style. Um, okay, insulated firebox, uh, traditional offset with an accumulator on the end, and a, a you know pretty large stack. Um, you know, round bar grates with an elevated rack near the near the stack, so the the airflow and um, the, the mechanics of it are really similar to the Jambo, just a little bit larger pit with a little bit bigger firebox. Ah, gotcha. Okay, I see. So with all these different things, you got you're competing, you're doing the NBBQA stuff, you you're working with OBR, you've got your own business that we're going to talk about a bit later on. How do you balance the time and energy to get all those things done across all those different things? Yeah, it's challenging. Um, and that's one of the things I'm sort of working to balance now is that, you know, when I first started in the barbecue products industry, it was really just by uh, just a necessity, really. Um, I, I, I sort of got hooked on competition barbecue and didn't make enough money to do it. It's expensive. And so I, I picked up, uh, was lucky enough to convince a few barbecue pit manufacturers to let me rep and sell their products to make extra money so I could compete. Uh, and I, went out and we did well on the circuit and we sold pits and it just sort of developed and slowly developed into a, a business. And about three years ago, um, I got my, I, I bought myself a, a, a warehouse, a big, a building to operate out of rather than renting or, you know, subleasing space. And, um, we started selling more smaller things like more barbecue sauces and rubs and accessories and small stuff. And started really pushing to sell this stuff online and found really quickly that it requires, 
it requires a lot of time and energy and effort to for in shipping and receiving and packaging and inventory and and payables and invoicing and there's a there's a lot of behind the scenes scenes things that have to happen but during the day if you're asking people to come and buy from you and you're asking them to buy from your website at the end of the day you have to help them when they walk through the door or you have to package and ship their product so uh, it leaves little time during the day for ordering and uh, quotes and invoicing and paying bills and all those things you have to do before or after hours. So in the past three years, we really ramped up our online sales and our in-store sales and and really did well with it um, with a, uh, just a few part-time people helping me. Uh, but when I lost my part-time help, I realized really quickly that uh, the month of May, my busiest month, I was on my own and I pulled my hair out. It was, it was just crazy busy. I was working late hours. I was frustrated not being able to fulfill, uh, all the, not just the sales, but, the the customer level of customer service that I like to. So I decided at that point to scale back a little bit and move back away from selling individual barbecue sauces and rubs and scale back from selling, uh, uh, from, drawing customers uh, for that type of sales into my store and also from drawing customers into the website for that kind of thing for shipping. So I'm going to reduce my number of, of uh, individual customers, but increase my average ticket, sales ticket. Uh, so I think I can, by focusing more on larger sales, meaning barbecue pits, consulting, uh, grills, outdoor kitchens, all those things I can more than make up for the the ground that's lost in in uh, eliminating you know individual barbecue sauces, rubs, and small accessories, and and you know not only helping the people in the store but all that shipping involved as well. So I'm scaling back. So my daughter's helping me full time now, and when she goes to college in August, uh, I'll be able to handle it by sort of taking things back and working more by appointment and getting back to the, how I used to operate um, instead of trying to trying to be a one-man show operating a full-scale barbecue, <laughs> barbecue shop. You know? If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfire has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D. Once again, head to jaggedwoodfired.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
Alrighty, welcome back, Mark. Um, we're into the second segment now, and we sort of started to touch on on your own personal journey building um, Sweet Swine of Mine uh, di- uh, distributing. Um, I I thought we might take a bit of a bit of a moment here to talk about uh, scaling a barbecue team into a business, and so sort of drawing on your experience, drawing on your on your knowledge to sort of um, give a lot of the viewers and the listeners some some points along the way. Now, later on, we're going to talk specifically about mindset. So what I'm sort of keen on getting into now is the, the journey for the individual team. So I'd, I'd like to open up by asking, um, at what point would a team know that they've hit critical, critical mass and it's time for a product? So how do judges, uh, how do teams judge when it's time to release a product? Um. You know, the way we did it, it was just sort of by, uh, it, it was just a, it was a grassroots deal that we, we didn't plan on releasing a product, but uh, the barbecue seasoning and barbecue sauce that we were using uh, seemed to do well in competitions. The way that it sort of worked for me was that we had a, a construction company that I worked in full time. And oh, wow. we, we went to, um, we went to trade shows. We went to. Uh, leadership conferences for a lot of these different companies that we work for. And many times when you go to those shows, what do you give out? You have a booth and you may pass out ink pens or cups or, or uh, flashlights or tape measures or hats and all those things. The same things that uh, those promotion companies sell to every other construction company that's there, right? So what we found is that we, we, we decided try to figure out what made us different. And what made us different was we were the sort of the cooking contractors. Wherever we went, we were uh, we were cooking. <laughs> and, and we, uh, if it was a, a golf a golf tournament, we were cooking for the golf tournament. If it was a a leadership conference, we would go and cook for a leadership conference. And before you know it, everyone had a taste of our barbecue, our seasoning, our sauce. And so we thought, well, we've got this small show. Why don't we? bottle up um you know a bottle of rub and sauce and we'll take it out there and we'll give some to our vip customers right and so our vip customers already had it and when we you know slapped our logo on it and and we, we said you know the i think trying to remember the tagline was you know the the secrets in this uh you know about what how we operate and why we're different as a contractor and we said well the secrets in the sauce and it's that we're you know we're our the way in the way we take care of our customers and that's how they remember us and so we were passing out bottles of sauce and rub and it, before you know it you're having these people call you not for a construction project or, or fix a roof or paint a community <laughs> but they're like do you guys have any more of that barbecue sauce that you gave us at the trade show <laughs> you're like really and they're like yeah that's my husband really loves it and he gave some to a friend of his that works at this other community and he wants some. And so we thought, hmm. so we we did it a few more times and it just got to the point that there was so much demand for it. Uh, I started looking for a, a co-packer and we found a small co-packer uh, and got them to make it for us here in the Memphis area. And while it was good, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't exactly like the way I made it on the stove. And uh, you know, I was in the, and I was a construction project manager and I was in the kitchen in the, in the shop making sauce and rub before every show. And, uh, so we we found someone else to make it. It wasn't exactly perfect, but it was good. Um, 
and we passed it out there. And along the same times, we're cooking at Memphis and May, and we're out competing on the, the Memphis and May circuit at the time and doing well. And uh, we we happened to hit a, I guess it was 2009, we hit a, we won the first grand champion at Memphis and May. And we had um, Old World Spices come. Uh, he, he called me up. He was in town and wanted to come by and see me. And I said, well, I have a co-packer already. He goes, oh, I know, but I want to talk to you about something different. And so he convinced me that they were they would be able to produce it not only better but cheaper uh, and also help distribute it, you know, into the retail markets as well. And and they and they did. They were able to make it cheaper. They were able to, to help us sell it. Um, wow. And when they came along, they, they were an integral part in helping us take our product uh, national really fast because they were, they were already producing seasonings and uh, for a lot of other championship teams. And they were able to tie all of those together under one roof under the old world spices and their salesmen could go out and sell at that time, maybe 10 championship brands to Lowe's home improvement, Ace Hardware, Bass Pro Shops, places like that. And it was really, it was, it worked out really well for the buyers. They, it reduced their number of people they had to deal with and number of companies that they had to work with. And uh, they slowly just brought in more and more and more uh, championship brands with different products to be able to bring in so many more products under one roof and make it easier for these buyers. It's really inviting that they can bring in, you know, 40 different brands of barbecue sauce and seasonings and barbecue products um, with one uh, one salesman. So they were an integral part in really taking my products to market and helping me reduce the cost and increase the quality. And uh, and even since they have been an integral part in helping me develop my products um, and develop develop new products to take to market. And the best ways to do it, and the best ways to design the labels, and so having a having a good partner uh, from a co-packer standpoint is huge uh, to help grow your product line and take take new things to market and and collaborate with as well. Yeah, right. I I can see how a partnership that can grow with you like that is uh, is mm-hmm. is so important, and particularly if you're new, someone who who goes above and beyond to help out with the labels, like, like you were saying, I can see how that would be really important. Yeah. We were one of the first companies to go and come on board with them. And, uh, and I think we, we helped each other a lot uh, along the way to sort of help mold that program and how they wanted it to be. And, and it's been very successful for them and us as well. Yeah, no doubt about that at all. Now we were talking on off air about uh, some of the most obvious choices that barbecue teams will go into. And a lot of people either go into catering, vending, barbecue joints type type stuff, or they go into rubs and sauces. So what, um, what, what sort of advice would you have when they, when they come to making that decision? Um, and what other ideas should they be considering? Yeah. I mean that it seems like the most natural path, uh, you know, once you become, uh, well known or once you have, have become, uh, you know, very, very learned in the, in the barbecue competition circuit that the most natural thing is everyone always asked me anyway, when are you going to open a restaurant? And my, my answer was never, <laughs> that is never going to happen. And they're like, well, you, you guys such a good job. And I'm like, I worked for eight years in the restaurant business. 
<clears throat> I was a server, a bartender, a dishwasher, a manager, a line cook, <clears throat> a prep cook, um, all of the above. And I, I get to see behind the scenes what happens in those restaurants, and how those how those servers and line cooks and prep cooks, how all those employees work, and what happens. And and I would hate to think that that was my money that those people were blowing and put flushing down the drain and and throwing out in the trash and walking out the door. Uh, it just a uh, I I got to see behind the scenes and that just made me not want to do it. Not 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 to say that I don't like it. I mean, to this day, I still one of my favorite things, my favorite jobs ever was being a server or a bartender or a, a, a grill cook or, you know, working in the restaurant did more for me, I think, than anything. Uh, socially, from a business standpoint, culinary standpoint, uh, and then helped me choose my path by not going down that path, if you know what I mean. So, and one of the, and, and that's one of the things that I tell everyone that uh, the National Barbecue Association is good about is the collaboration and the advice that you get. So um, the first conference that I ever went to, I walked in and uh, who was sitting in the lobby when I walked in, but Paul Kirk was sitting in the lobby. And I talked to Paul Kirk and got all kinds of great advice from him. <clears throat> One of the next guys I saw was Kel Phelps, and I talked to him and, and got lots of advice and helped him with a KCBS judging class. Uh, one of the next guys that I met that night was Dave Raymond, uh, Sweet Baby Ray. And, you know, that was one of the things that I had sort of, everyone else had convinced me that I needed to open a restaurant and kind of thought, well, that, that that's what everyone else thinks that's what I should do. Maybe that's what I need to eventually do is open a restaurant. And that's what I, I told Dave Raymond. I said, yeah, well, we've got these products out there. And I'm, you know, I'm working full-time as a construction guy, but, you know, eventually I went up my own restaurant. He looked at me dead in the eyes like, why? You know, he was full-time in the restaurant business and catering and had been. And he said, you've got all these other things going for you. And he said, you're on the right path. He said, you just need to develop that path more. He said, stay away from the restaurant business. He said, you're, you've, you've got a good path. You've got a good idea. You've got a good product. You get a good name. He said, go down that path. He said, stay away from it. It was his, that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten. And it was from a very, very smart, educated, well-educated, experienced man, Dave Raymond, Sweet Baby Ray. And he said, he he got he really gave me the confidence to not do that, that that wasn't the only path, that I, there were other paths, and I just had to sort of blaze my own trail with it. And, you know, at the time, there weren't tons of guys out there doing rubbing sauce. There were a few, but uh, he gave me the you know, confidence to, to keep going down that path, uh, keep pushing forward with new products. And, and I think that's one of the great things about MBBQA is you, I had just met this guy and, and I got some of the most valuable advice I'd ever get, uh, in, in my barbecue career, uh, right off the bat, the first time I ever meet, met this guy. And, and I've, you know, I've been able to give some advice like that along the road and I've gotten tons and tons of more good advice that's, you know, help me make fewer mistakes, make more money, make better choices, you know, get ahead a little bit quicker. So it's, it's very valuable in that respect and the collaboration you get with people that have the experience and they're willing to share it. That's the cool part. Um, but I think there's lots of choices. The restaurant business is, is it's good for some, 
But a lot of the guys that I know it, you can see it in their face that it wears them down. Um, the food truck business is is another path that, uh, depending on where you are and the the food truck culture in the area that you live in, um, depending on what that is, I mean, it could be a very viable business. Uh, and you know, a lot of folks start a food truck and work their way into a restaurant. Some people open a food truck and they never do it. You know, they just decide that that's what they want to do. They want to they want to go to venues that have a captive audience. They want to go to places where people can't get out and go out to eat. They you go, you go to them uh, rather than just sitting up in one place and hoping and praying that everyone comes to you. You're able to be mobile and go and and at selected venues and special events. So uh, I think that's a good path. But uh, there's there's tons of companies out there that are looking for experienced people. Um, you know, think about all the different um, spice companies, all the different grill companies, uh, all the different barbecue products companies. Um, you know, think about everything from companies like Grill Grade or, or Green Mountain Grills or Traeger Grills or um, think about all the different gas grill companies, you know, Bull and Blaze and Lynx and Twin Eagles. All those companies have to have salesmen. They have to have product development teams. Um, there's so many other paths for people with a with barbecue passion to go after. You just really just kind of have to decide um, what you want to do. Uh, some people are, you know, natural salesmen, and there's tons of place, places for salesmen. There's uh, people that have the engineering mind and, and that love barbecue, you know, that's a natural place to go in and engineering new grills and smokers and gadgets. So I think it's figuring out one, what you're good at, which to me is what I, I like to say. That's God's gift to you. You're you, what, what you're good at. So figuring out what that is and then deciding where you can go and, and, and best serve with. Yeah. That's some interesting advice there. It's funny that you say that, um, that you know, that, that there's all these different, uh, paths you can take depending on what skills and experience you bring into it from the start so i mm-hmm. i know for me I, I i was competing i was never a never a wildly successful competitor but um it wasn't long before people started to see me doing photography of my own stuff at competitions and started saying oh hey yep. can you come along and do some photography stuff for our competitions or you know can you come and do some some some, some mc stuff some some work on the microphone and that sort of stuff and that's basically how i've built out this little smoking hot confessions business is working on on media and digital media because that was an interest and a passion that i had and combining that with the barbecue uh knowledge and experience as well is that's how i am where i am now so that's interesting yeah, stuff you just gotta figure out where you're where where you fit what what wheel that your cog fits into the right way and figure out how to how to how to use the the gifts that you're given to to make a living with and do and to be able to do something you enjoy i think that's one of the most uh thing that I, I feel blessed with the most is that i'm able to to make a living doing something that i enjoy every day and you know if you know there are days that are hard and there are days that are tough and there are days you wonder you know why are you doing what you're doing but at the end of the day you take a step back and you're like you know, i get to barbecue for a living i mean that's it's it's pretty special it's a gift and so you can figure out how to how to do even just a little bit of what you are good at in the barbecue world if that's what you love and man that's what you should go do absolutely yeah 
definitely a blessing, no doubt about that at all. So once people have selected either their product or their service or their their thing, um, do you have any uh, growth hacks or tips or advice for uh, for expanding that um, that fledgling business? Like I said, I did it uh, just sort of on the side through the construction company, and we would cook for customers. And you know, anytime people are getting free food, you know, it's great. They love it, right? <laughs> <laughs> If you're going to competitions, sometimes you get a different point of view. Uh, but just by having being able to do those things, uh, to put those products to, out to market, to put those products in front of people and get feedback to where it's not necessarily your primary means of income, but it's something that you could see down the road. If it worked out, it could be. And that's, that was my thing is while construction was my primary source of income, that was the career I had chosen at the time. I was starting to get some feedback from people that had got to try my sauce or get to try my rub, or we had cooked an event for them. Uh, and, you know, that again, those are the people that after you cook an event, they, they want you to open a restaurant. But meanwhile, I'm like, have you tried my sauce and rub? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I think that's uh, um, making sure that you can sort of, Put your toes in a little bit, finding a way to put your toes in the, into the, to the water just a little bit and test the waters without having to jump in uh, and get a, a, you know, create a business plan and get a loan and, and just rely on it as your full means of income. Sort of like you said, you're, you're taking, you know, photographs of your own products and people start to notice. Same thing, we're, we're starting to put our, use our sauce and seasonings. Uh, on our barbecue and, and giving it to people and passing it out at trade shows. And we're getting that feedback to, Hey, this is something, this is really good. And then the more people call you back, the more confidence you have to, to develop something else and take it to market. And uh, I think being able to, to try to do it a little bit at a time, instead of having to jump on all at once and tread water uh, where if the situation isn't perfect, uh, something happens like a, you know, um, you know, uh, like like our world just experienced. Uh, if something like that doesn't happen, you know, you you want to be able to just be having your toes in and you can pull them out rather than treading water and worrying about drowning. So I, that was my whole thing. Is is a little at a time. I was I was learning uh, the barbecue products industry, uh, sort of part time, uh, learning a little bit about it. And eventually grew it to a point before I knew it. I woke up one day and I was like, I could do this full time. And just woke up one day and it was just, just sort of realized it one day that, hmm, I think I can do this. And it's, but it's just by slowly wading a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper at a time so that you're not so fully committed that you're, um, you know, that if something happens out of the ordinary, it doesn't sink you, you know. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd Ben Arnott. 
Okie dokie, Mark Lambert. It's now segment three, and this is our lesson for our listeners and viewers. This is where our guest gets to share some of their knowledge, some of their experience, and uh, it's, it's also an opportunity for those that are joining us for the live recording today to start popping those questions into the uh, comment section there so I can bring them up for you and put them to you a bit later on. Now, one of the things that you wanted to talk about in this segment was uh, barbecue business mindset. So I'm going to throw it over to you, and I'm going to sort of zip my lips here and, uh, and just uh, soak up the wisdom that you're going to share with us. I think one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got came from a book uh, outside of Sweet Baby Ray, um, who was, was face-to-face, was from a book, I think, was a, a book called Never Eat Alone. And it was a, a sales book that helps, you know, helps people understand how to find connectors in the indus- in industries, in any industry, uh, to help them get where they want to go, how to connect with people, and how to find uh, how to find the right path through other people in the industry. And I think that that piece of advice, some of that advice I got out of that book was learning how to connect yourself with people that are doing what you want to do. So um, that was one of the, the, the ideas that I got from that book that led me to the National Barbecue Association was that uh, that advice was find people that are doing what you want to do and associate yourself with them. You know, put your foot in the door, uh, learn how to be a part of their world, and um, just get close with those people that are doing what you want to do and learn from them. And so that's what I did is I just inserted myself, you know, like it or not, into the National Barbecue Association and come to find out that's what they want you to do. Um, And I was able to learn from a lot of very experienced people that have made all the mistakes um, down the road and were able to give you advice on how not to make the same mistakes and how to, how to get where you want to go a little bit quicker. So I think the mindset of that book and never eat alone uh, and finding how to connect with other people in the industry that are doing what you want to do um, and learn from them. I think is one of the best things to uh, one of the best strategies, I guess, uh, to to find your own path, if you will, uh, and to decide if if that's what if that is the the line of work that you want to get into. If you want to be into the barbecue products, or if you want to be into bar- barbecue engineering, if you want to be into the restaurant business, or food truck, or catering, or vending, um, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. But to, to find someone that's doing what you think you want to do uh, and offer pro bono help, you know, or if they're part of a a group or association, uh, make yourself a part of that group or association uh, and in whatever way you can be helpful and make an impression so that those people want to help you. And that that was, that's all I really can say that I did Um, not only through the MBBQA, but a lot of other associations we were in, um, we worked work in apartment communities and like the apartment uh, industries, uh, like the National Apartment Association, or our local apartment associations and our, our local construction uh, associations. And, you know, just th- and that wasn't really the, the industry that I cared anything about, but I was able to, to quickly make a name for myself as the, the cooking contractor through those circles uh, and be able to get instant feedback on on products and ideas uh and you know it was really it was valuable real valuable uh help from those people as well 
like I said, it's just, I, I think that's, that's key is figuring out what you're, what you're good at, um, coming up with a list of ideas of things that you can do with that gift and then finding a group of people that are doing that and go see if you like it. Yeah. From, from what you've been saying there, the, the, the relationships are the key there. And I know that that's certainly been, been true for myself is that, um, I'll, pretty much all the business that we do here with Smoke Not Confessions is relationship based. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll meet people first, we'll form relationships. And then if, if things progress from there, then, then that's how they progress. So it, it sounds like to me, when you're talking about mindset, you're talking about um, sort of searching out relationships and then coming to those relationships with a, with a point of view of uh, service rather than what can you get from the relationship. Right. And then, and then what you get comes as a consequence of that particular mindset. Absolutely. Well, look, mate, that's probably a good point for us to start wrapping up the show. So I'm going to throw, uh, throw the microphone back over to you again. Now give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people who've helped you along the way and make sure you tell us all where we can track you down on social media. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really appreciate the time. Um, you know, I'm very blessed to get to, to do what I do for a living, uh, in suites one of my distributing. Uh, and the time that I've, I've spent in learning and being able to uh, provide assistance and get assistance from the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. Very fortunate there. Um, you know, from my team, my barbecue team, um, the guys at Operation Barbecue Relief have, have given me the, the uh, understanding and helped me learn more about giving and not only of uh, monetarily, but giving of your talents and your time for others that are less fortunate. And, uh, and, and to be able to get firsthand see uh, the rewards of those gifts that you're giving to people that can never repay you. Um, you know, for my co-packer, Old World Spices, and some of my sponsors, um, Compart Family Farms is one of is our porch sponsor. Uh, people like Snake River Farms. And, you know, as you go along the way, you, you meet a lot of these different people in the industry. And you, some people you really connect with and some people you don't. Um, the ones you really connect with, you figure out ways to help each other. Uh, and without really asking for help, you just figure out ways to help people that you connect with. And you, you, you figure out who the good guys are and who the guy guys, good guys aren't. But you, the people that you connect with, you, you figure out quickly. Uh, the, the more you give, the more you get, uh, whether you, in, without looking for anything in return. So a lot of those people have come to me some of those people I've come to them um you know Gunter Wilhelm Knives you know those guys they came to me um uh, you know I've I've learned how to really put a good commercial edge on a knife that lasts a little bit longer beautiful mate fantastic and wh- where can we track you down on your uh, different social media profiles yeah we've got a, a, a social media and Facebook just uh, you can look me up under Mark Lambert or a sweet swan of mine distributing how many different stinking ways to get a hold of us now? Sweet one of mine is our bi- distributing is our business. So you can look us up just through our contact page uh, at ssomd.com is the acronym for Sweet one of mine distributing. So you can do that uh, email. You can email me directly, Mark at ssomd.com. Um, I like to be able to share what I know. Um, that's, and to me, it's just very rewarding, fulfilling to be able to share. Um, experiences and knowledge and and have a good time with like-minded people so uh, I'll, I'll i'll quit doing any of it before i i um, you know i feel that i'm i'm too big to answer 
questions and talk to people directly. People get they they freak out all the time whenever I answer the phone. They go, "Is this is this more?" Like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, "I can't believe you you answer the phone." I'm like, "Why not?" <laughs> I'm like, I, there's no one else to answer the phone but me. <laughs> A lot of folks think that I guess if every company like mine has to have 15, 20 employees. And um, I've engineered myself to not to have to do that. I, uh, I, I find myself able to get along with almost anyone. Uh, but I, I, I've also des- decided that I'm probably not the best leader uh, when it comes to management. <laughs> and I recognize that. So uh, I make sure that I can operate as much as possible uh, with as few resources as, as I, as I can. Um, you know, I just like to keep it, uh, uh, keep it small and keep it to where I can manage it the way that I see fit. Um, don't always say it, you know, like all of us, no one ever says the right thing all the time or makes the right moves, but the fewer people that I, I can piss off along the way, the better off. I am. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well said, mate. Well said. There's also less arguments when there's just one person there as well. Well, look, mate, thank you very much for your time. I realize that we must be well late into the evening for you. So I I appreciate you staying up late to talk to us. And um, I look forward to seeing all the, uh, all the other zoom classes and whatnot that you're going to be putting on very soon. Yep. Yep. We'll, uh, we'll be posting those. We also do an old school with Mark and Ashley, my buddy, Ashley Henson. We do that uh, every Thursday night. We simulcast, uh, uh, YouTube live as well as Facebook live. We call it old school, but we just, we like to get together and cook stuff together and have a good time. And we decided to capture it. So we like to cook local ingredients and in, ingredients in season and use old school cooking methods. And we just capture it on film. So watch that on Thursday night as well. It's a lot of fun. Sounds great, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> And there you have it, family. That was the one and only Mark Lambert from Sweet Smine of Mine, uh, Operation Barbecue Relief, NBBQA. Um, the other one, Steaks for Sheepdogs was the other one that he was telling us about there before. And I've got to tell you, if you are in the barbecue scene, if you're a backyard cook, if you're a competition cook, and you're wanting to grow and expand into business, Mark would have to be the ultimate role model for that. So as he said, you can reach out to him personally. You can reach out to him through his social media profiles and he's happy to give some points and tips along the way. And we're really fortunate to have been able to, to capture this time with him uh, given just how busy he is and all the different things that he does across the industry. So before we wrap this up today, I just want to give you a quick reminder of our, of our announcements from the top of the show. Um, Jagged Woodfired was our podcast partner for today. So if you're looking for a new smoker, for a grill, for an asado, if you've got a custom kitchen build you need done, hit up Ghouls uh, and Jen. That's wrong. That's back to front. Jules and Glenn. Hit them up. They're based out of WA. They ship around the nation. They're beautiful people. They do some fantastic work. If you're at the start of your barbecue journey and you want to know more, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com and pick up our free ebook up over there, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue, awarded by the NBBQA that Mark and I were just discussing about earlier. And a big thank you to everyone who's joined us today in the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook for the live recording of this episode. If you would like to join us over there, we would love to have you. It's a great little corner of the internet. It's all family friendly and we leave all the guff at the door. So we just hang out, talk about barbecue. It's a really good time. Um, and oh, and the socials. So yeah, of course, if you're on uh, on the uh, 
on YouTube, it's a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that notification bell. If you're on Facebook, it's likes, comments, and shares. Instagram TV is the cute little hearts and a comment and a follow. And of course, a podcasting app is rating and reviews. So if you could do that for us, that would really help us out. And we would love you forever. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>